0: life and death has been obscured and confused through the mainstream media minefield, a story dissected by both angles, regurgitated in a fashion appropriate to their bias. Today, in an act of justice and truth, Maryam Heinen displays integrity and courage, presenting actual journalism amidst a sea of propaganda and identity politics. Maryam joins me, Mystic Mark, here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast to discuss George Floyd and the making of her latest documentary film, George Floyd and the Real Timeline. Thank you folks for tuning in and enjoy this conversation with Maryam Hyden.
1: did a FOIA with the Secret Service, which I'll show in the documentary, in the book. And they don't even venture to guess the source of this money. And they fail to mention some of the bills. Now, in in reference to George being an informant. So he leaves Texas for his new life in Minneapolis. Uh, how do we know that there wasn't a deal put in place because I asked. I'm like, huh, I wonder if Minneapolis to Texas is a drug corridor. Look, you're right, Miriam. Um, And so it is a drug corridor. And George, there's fuzziness about his trucking um, credentials. So he was driving a truck. Maya had a truck company. So then, in 2019, you look at the characteristics of a false flag, and one of them is that they practice. So if you have exactly to the year, him being arrested and doing the same song and dance,
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, and with me today is a very special guest. She has a documentary that she's going to be debuting on the 15th of 2023, January, and I'm excited to talk to her about it. She's been on Tinfoil Hat numerous times, and this is her first appearance here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Maryam Heinen, welcome to the show. We've met before. We've done episodes of The Union of the Unwanted together. And uh, it's about time. It's long overdue. How have you been? Uh, How has uh, 2022 treated you?
1: I'm ready to say goodbye to 2022. (laughs) I worked very hard. I'm happy to be here and to speak about my upcoming film. And yeah, I'm ready to say goodbye. Let's see what 2023 brings about. It's it was fast, wasn't it, to really zoomed, zoomed through 2022?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it feels, and I had conversations about this with my girlfriend and with another co-host on a, a different podcast I do about how time felt like it sped up. And, you know, I, I'm going to take a wild guess and imagine <laughs> that you and I probably have similar job styles where we don't have a boss above us for the most part and we're working independently and I think that uh, only speeds that feeling up even more right when you're flying by the seat of your pants and uh, and working for something you're passionate about above all you know so before we get too far into the episode tell us about this project tell us the title uh, and maybe tell us a little bit about your background and and how you got into this style of journalism because I've got to say you're very brave and every time I've heard you on a show whether it was Tinfoil Hat or another podcast uh, I've always walked away from it feeling very inspired so um, I, I'm excited silly. for this.
1: That's that's kind of you, Mark. I I uh, just to touch upon the time thing that I've been saying that time is collapsing for a while, probably since 2013. And in the past two years, I've felt the acceleration tremendously. And I don't know if CERN has something to do with it, uh, messing with the magnetic field, or if we're seeing a convergence or divergence rather of two timelines. And uh, some of us can see both of them at this junction. But yeah, I'm uber aware of numbers. I, I'll wake up in the night and just see the number, what time it is. And so I don't wear a watch. I don't need to. But it's definitely accelerating. And I don't know if it has to do with if you're your own boss. And I'm a worker bee. I'm, I'm always working. I have bazillion tabs open. I love learning and studying. So a little bit about me. I hail from Montreal, Canada. I'm Egyptian. Greek. I'm an actual journalist with a degree. I began my career in Burbank, uh, working at uh, MSNBC above uh, Jay Leno and Days of Our Lives, and I worked there. And that was like a rude awakening to the way news is covered in the United States compared to the way I was taught in in Canada. And and I was always exposed to a little bit more worldly news. And then, I mean, of course, it's a lot different today because journalism has taken a deep dive into hell. And I call them the prostitutes and the parrots. Um, so I started in, in at MSNBC and I, I kind of got turned off by the news, the drive-by shootings and the very sensational, um, not really ex- investigative. So I I quit that. And then I started working for different magazines. So I was working for Maxim and LA Magazine and LA Weekly. And I was always pitching my own ideas. Um, Historically, in my 28 years plus of being a journalist, I directed the film Vanishing of the Bees, and that took five years. And and I was still part of the mainstream. When I blew the whistle on, on Bayer, and exposed all the poisons that are adulterating our food supply was also a big eye opener. And shortly after I stepped into a crosswalk and I was hit by an SUV at 35 miles an hour. And that was really my initiation into health because I grew up in socialist Canada where at the time it wasn't seen as bad. I didn't see it as bad. I, I had health insurance. And now in LA, I didn't even have physiotherapy. So I, I used yoga to literally learn how to walk again. And I worked really hard to take out the 13-inch titanium rod. And uh, my body exploded with uh, ailments probably from uh, from PTSD And that was like my initiation. Like I stopped eating gluten and sugar and dairy like 2007, way before it was in vogue. And lots of the things that I do are ahead of their time, if I can say so myself, being a visionary. Um, So I didn't think I was ever going to make a documentary again because five years distilling um, 300 hours into 87 minutes was quite the feat. And uh, But then George Floyd... Came across my radar, and uh, I, I jokingly blame Zach for he's the Google whistleblower because we were in the jungle, and it all started with him asking if I could choke him, uh, re reenacting doing the George Floyd challenge of of whether you can breathe if someone is um has their knee on your neck, and uh, at one certain point of covering it like a a year into it. I just decided, well, I have all these notes. Why not make a book? And it was out of the book or or wanting to illustrate what happened from 7.30 to 9.30 that prompted me to decide to make a documentary. And, and I really was struggling for at least six months trying to find an editor. Like I, I teamed up with, I had an editor that helped me with the trailer. And then she went off to pick weed and does that. This was going to be an immense project. And then Scott Armstrong Redacted helped me uh, tweak it. And then I found someone else and they just basically wasted my time and my money. And uh, and then I found Sean. Uh, Just even how I found Sean Hibbler to me, I, I realize now couldn't have made this movie with anyone else. And I'm I'm super, super grateful for him and, and his gifts as an editor.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how synchronistic, you know, uh, I think it was Matt Raymer approached me uh, about a year ago or less and said, hey, my friend Miriam has this project, you know, do you think he'd be up for it? And I, I, I thought about it and I'm like, I am not going to, like, waste this girl's time learning how to edit videos. I was interested. I was th- I was thinking it would be a cool thing to get a part of, become a part of. But I, at that point in time, I had really no experience video editing. I have to thank you because uh, I've actually tried to edit my podcast <laughs> and make, like, weird little video clips at the beginning. So partly inspired by that realization of like, oh, yeah, I, I can't help this person, honestly, but I'm really glad that you found Sean. He's a great guy. That's yes, cool. And uh, and I, is... I want to say I want to
1: say to that that. Um, I knew. I mean, I was a, I, I approached one seasoned uh, editor in uh, Canada, who's Canadian, and my film Vanishing of the Bees has won many awards, was number one film on Netflix back in a different time, and uh, I reached out looking for an editor on, uh, it's a mail-serve called DocuLink, so documentarians, that's where I found my executive producer, um, that's where, and she helped me get a grant, and and uh, when I went to ask for an editor, I was basically called a uh, racist white supremacist supremacist and they one woke uh, lefty crazy person tried to vote me out of the group I am can assure you that I'm probably browner than that person who initiated that calling me a racist then I had another guy who I should have known being doubly jabbed after getting COVID where he was at in his brain and he literally told me that he Had just seen the footage I sent and uh, finished crying, um, and that he couldn't take the project for ethical reasons, suggesting that I'm not ethical. So, and then, of course, like I said, having someone basically give me a film and paying them and not even syncing my voice to the narration. And so it was late at night. And I was like, I kept on saying, I need someone who knows this story. I need someone who's open-minded and I need someone who's gifted editor. And uh, I I was late at night and I was re-watching Psychological Operation. And I'm just like, I'm going to reach out to this guy or this production. I didn't know who I was reaching out. I I didn't know anything about Sean. And then the irony is like my housemate is a... Flat Earther, and shared me with me um, his move Sean's movies, and I was like, "That's that's the guy that's going to edit my my film." So I kind of learned about Sean after the fact. So again, it, it is it is uh, I, I'm really grateful for it, for him. Sorry, so you had asked? You no, had no, asked- no,
0: it's fine. I I do want to ask though, so or clarify. So Sean had a a similar documentary out, or at least it was on the same topic, right? He put something out about Yeah, it's not sim-
1: similar. His film Psychological Operation, which I actually watched when it came out in 2020, because part of my research, the way I work, is I devour and scour everything looking for details because nobody pays attention to details in this mediocre age that we live in. And uh, they matter, because that's where the devil is. So Yes, he he was looking more at the psychological operation from a very macro, whereas I am, it's very matter of fact. And because they had all these different angles, body camera footage, then I thought to utilize them all and uh, really inspect and by paying attention to things that, that no one bothered because I could bank on the fact that even a Candace Owen doesn't really care about the 100% truth going for the jugular of what is going on. And, but but I'm consciously presenting in the movie, uh, very matter of fact, indisputable facts. And the book will have even more um, nuggets of explosive nuggets of what I've learned in the psychological operation.
0: Mm. Right. Excuse me for not remembering correctly, but I, I thought I'd heard you you and uh, Hibbler on your recent conversation with Sam, uh, Sean mentioning something about uh, working on the topic, maybe not putting something together. And then you the stars aligned and you two both were like, all right, let's work on this, which I think is, is great. And, and it shows that there's something pulling, you know, like this, there's this energy with with the truth that I've started to notice that it pulls people who are open to it closer and closer. Synchronicity, you know, deja vu, whatever you want to call these moments that we have that pull us into this information, you know. Uh, it's kind of silly. With all this cognitive dissonance, you know, people are just so really far afield from what actual research looks like. Now they're being trained to see anything that's contrary to the mainstream narrative as offensive, as dangerous. And I commend you both for, for sticking to your guns and putting that out and being, you know, putting this out and 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 being brave about it because yeah it's it's a controversial subject but i gotta say when i heard i sat down and heard some of the facts that you two put together uh it's it's amazing i mean there's so many things that i heard about this case from the mainstream that do not even come close when you look at the full picture that uh i hope we can kind of fill people in on today so Tell yeah I've to-
1: done a lot of FOIA hmm.
0: um
1: it, it, it's you know I didn't know whether Sean his film is a lot is a lot different like I said and uh I've done you know it's it's iron it's, it's just silly what people think that being a journalist is doing a Google search first of all don't use Google and that's not the way it's just like all these people think that they know about the the covid vaccine gene therapy experiment and yet they don't they haven't scoured spent 12 hours a day for an entire year um and I've been covering medical freedom since 2012 so I knew this was happening and I left to Costa Rica because the writing was on the wall but the, the perception of what it, what research entails and people will say, like, why did you get this footage? Yeah, I bought it from the courts. And it's been frustrating that I raised a million dollars to make an award-winning film, Vanishing of the Bees, and yet I've been struggling to just make 15000 dollars to pay the expenses and and pay the editor. Um, it's 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 just very it's frustrating when you have all this attacks and it's like syphysis constantly playing, pushing a a rock up a hill. Mm. Um, But so, yeah, I've conducted several FOIA. I literally have been covering this from day one. And so I've seen the information disappearing in real time, whether it be on Twitter or in cyberspace, Um, things like the Benz's VIN number because that's not George Floyd's car. And also by looking at the footage hundreds of times and actually paying attention to what is said. So I notice that people don't pay attention. That's one of the reasons why I've chosen to show the words on the screen, because at least for me, I have a little bit of um, um, hearing loss and it just... It really like I put I watch movies with captions because as a writer, I'm very interested in the details, the composition of the sentence and uh, hopefully showing the words will cement it in people's brains and psyche because they purposely showed sensational footage out of order, like holding on to the to the uh, body worn footage purposely for several months because People have already created a perception. And so, when you don't have a full picture, you're not able to really uh, determine or have an accurate perception because you're being manipulated. Like, just like Google, for instance, the fact that they no longer have organic search, they have auto suggestions. That is a literally a mind control tactic. And it's very simple but powerful. So if you're if you're making a decision or making coming up to a con- coming to a conclusion but you don't have all the puzzle pieces then your your version of reality is tweaked.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think from the get-go this story was taken and run with and used to a certain agenda but aside from that there is a lot of things about this case when you look at it with a microscope or a magnifying glass you see that it does not add up it doesn't fit into this overall agenda that they shoved it into and it even makes you wonder if all of these occasions these events these tragedies you know I'm not taking away the loss of life you know but it makes you wonder if these are all set up for a certain agenda I certainly think so and Uh, I don't want to speak for you, uh, but I wonder, you know, when it comes to the Floyd case Mm. and the fact about the counterfeit money, um, to me, that was the biggest red flag. Something's going on in the state. Something's going on with the police department. They're covering it up. And this guy is somewhat of a patsy, a scapegoat. And he's also now a a political martyr right he becomes right. the the blm martyr that that
1: modern messiah he's a modern jesus
0: right so this is kind of this is where i stand on it but help uh, fill us in a little bit i mean there's a few things i heard you say that that i hadn't heard before like something about george floyd's peers uh the day of someone with a banana uh, something odd going on that the morning of or the day before that just doesn't. It seems like he has handlers near him or something to that effect. I mean, that that was my impression. Can you tell me about those, those folks? Yeah, there's
1: nothing with a banana other than he's holding a banana, mm. and uh, what's odd about that. And I want to say also, my my views um are not the same as Sean's. And that's okay, Um, but let's say as a journalist, I've made a very conscious decision to bring receipts and only in the end of my book will I surmise or give an opinion based on two years of investigative work, like forensic investigation. Um, So just in regards to the banana, I just make the connection that, in the in the ambulance the um, the woman who's in the fire truck says to Thomas Lane the rookie one of the rookies uh, and says he went bananas and i just recall that he's holding a banana um off screen and it looks like it's a signal and that something's going on with the cover up that you'll have to wait to see the movie for me you know to to learn about but there's a cover up uh, just as an aside that when i saw george holding a banana that i thought of curious george and that could be i could be told that that's racist but i went and i looked at the curious george series and i learned that the last book in the series is curious george goes to the hospital and so curious george in this in this episode, so to speak, swallows puzzle piece and ends up having to go to the hospital. So the puzzle piece could be the truth. Symbolically, it could be the drugs that George swallowed. And then he goes, when he goes to the hospital, curious George sees a doctor named Dr. Baker. Oh, the medical examiner is Andrew Baker. That's just yet another coincidence um, and so that's the banana the banana part as far as a handler there's no handler per se but what are they really doing there and it's like when you when you deconstruct and you see the manner in how fast this moved um, then you see that that it's not true because I could tell you that uh, like on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, I was with Zach, and we did um, a, a Man on the Street for Alex Jones. This is 2019 before the Oscars. And I said to Zach, let's do it on the coronavirus. Um, nothing was happening yet. Um, and um, I, we got accosted by a like seven-foot guy, and called the police and waited 45 minutes nobody came so to 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 come for a forgery in progress when it's really the secret service and so once you know then i'll expose in the film and the book the cover up and then people can make a decision for themselves if they're open to it because they prayed on the collective wound of um, of Black America, and and now, you know, I didn't expect to to forge, if I could say, a friendship with Maurice. I had suspicions that he was a um, a snitch. Maurice Lester Hall was with George Floyd that day. Spent the day with him, and so I suspected that he was a, a snitch. I did a FOIA. I was right that for a hot minute he was a snitch and then he stopped responding to the police because he was actually in jail. And so when I called him, I didn't expect for him to speak to me because when I've tried to contact the Floyd family, nobody's wanted to talk to me, which is also a red flag that when I can get too close, I know that that something's funny. And this goes in, in our in our um, circles as well, um, when there's people that claim to be on our side, but are really controlled opposition, they won't let me get close because I'm real and I suss bullshit out. Um, and so I called Maurice. He thought I was a Washington Post journalist. And he started talking to me. And we just hit it off, meaning we connected. And I sincerely care about him but through Maurice I've seen how people's blind spots from from his vantage point from his mom's vantage point the system is racist and they're not able to see that now the system is just oppressing anyone who can buy justice because vengeance is the new justice Mick Justice it's just so he's he's not able to see that. And, and I see how the system doesn't care about his black life, if that makes sense. So if anything, looking at what they've done to Maurice, what they promised Maurice and how they trudged up all these old charges to arguably keep him in jail because he's a loose end, um, how CPS has taken his son away and also in reading how they fill out the police report that this other side is um scummy there is a lot of um just corruption in Minneapolis definitely with the police force i would argue that any of the good cops have probably left homicide um homicide rates or have doubled nothing nothing has improved um yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's uh, it's very obvious to anyone, you know, inside observer, outside observer, that there is a group of people being marginalized and it's not singly one race. It's it's anyone below a certain level of economic ability. Right. And, and right. people who get stuck in these cities generationally find themselves in a worse situation, you know, two, three, four generations down the line, it only gets worse. There's no, you know, uh, progress unless people get out of those situations in a lot of cases. Right. So yeah, I can see that perspective, you know, for, in my own life for people, you know, I mean, I'm from more of a blue collar neighborhood, but it's sandwiched right in between two really, you know, big cities. And, uh, you know, I've, I've couldn't escape that. Right. My whole life I've experienced that. And I've always felt a sort of, um, sympathy in a way. And my grandparents who are very conservative used to joke with me and, or, and call me a bleeding heart liberal. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely got tricked by the Obama propaganda and all that being a young yeah. man, but it, it yeah. kind of, it took took this event and the the whole Black Lives Matter situation for me to step back and realize now I had been propagandized, I had been entrained to have this th- sympathy, and that it was manipulated. It was being used against me, right? And, and although by the time the whole COVID pandemic came around and the Black Lives Matter rally started, I was, you know, way past the point of being susceptible to propaganda— I still have that feeling of like there's something that needs to be done here. I think all human beings have that, but we've been entrained into these sort of, uh, you know, corrals so that our activism is muted. You know, it's like it stops people from actually making a change and they get wrapped up into this system that's you know only benefiting those same people they think they're fighting against in a certain way and i think with your documentary about the bees you, you mentioned you know i put all this money and work into this thing and and nobody you know nobody came out and supported it and if everybody really cared about the environment the way these people say they do you'd imagine that this documentary would be a smash hit no it would i be- mean
1: vanish no sorry vanishing of the bees was supported. Uh, mm. I was part of the mainstream. um it won many awards. It was translated in thirteen languages. It's narrated by a celebrity, mm. which was Ellen Page. So no, i I didn't that's that's not what i I sorry if that's a misunderstanding. yeah, I no, was supported I, apologize. I, I I was part of the mainstream, and it was, um, yeah, it was lauded because I also had a a celebrity who's now a uh, Transgender poster child that hates. But you, uh, but you understand
0: Trump. my overall point is 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 that there's this facetiousness with these yes. activist causes, and I yes. think you sort of saw it from the inside with this more environmentally focused documentary, and now you know we see that same situation uh with race and and crime and poverty. Yes,
1: yes but people have lost their minds since then. Things mm-hmm. have. Have changed due to this mass um, psychosis that has occurred and bamboozled people, and so it was a different. It was a different time. Probably, I could argue that calling out Bayer, you know, I was told you better watch your tires. Um, it it was, yeah, it was a different. It it was a different time. Clearly, I also like you. Thought I was. Um, a democrat or a liberal i w- i lived in la for 23 years i i worked in hollywood um in different instances as a pa or producer on commercials and and uh and then got pretty much ousted i could say that as a a female brown woman i've never gotten anything handed to me or gotten Ahead, because of my color or of my of my sex. It's it's never it's never really helped me when Chase closed down my bank account. And then I learned that Chase J.P. Morgan Vanguard Rothschild um, invested. Thirty billion dollars to eradicate racism by giving loans to minority business owners and I have a business honey colony that was attacked and, or rather targeted by the FDA, FTC, DOJ. Um, And then when I called and I said, you know, last time I checked, I'm kind of brown. Um, they couldn't tell me why they canceled my account. It's a lot of virtue signaling. It's a lot of virtue signaling where, whether it's you're wearing your cross and, uh, pretending to be a good Christian but not walking your talk, or you're wearing your face diaper and think you know something about health, but you know already you only know about health h-E-L-L-T-H and not real health. Um, you know, but it's like I'm doing it for you. I'm wearing my face diaper for you. That that's it's just a lot of bullshit. So a lot of virtue signaling and and I've really in my spiritual my path to try to walk my talk and take accountability because this is a spiritual war. I've been on a spiritual path since I was 13 years old. And uh, for me, having almost died and still being here is like the universe saying, you know, you have an opportunity to break these patterns and to be the best version of yourself. And that's really my philosophy know thyself and and you know I, I would be lying if uh, didn't say I'm pretty disgusted with humanity overall and uh, the, the level of maturity or consciousness. Now of course there's a, a lot of amazing human beings um, that I collaborate with and that are colleagues on the front lines um, and so you know not not to be disparaging or to sound negative. Uh, but but overall, the amount of sheeple has been uh, surprising to me, and of course, it's it's operating out of fear, and um, that that is not a way to live. And early on in the pandemic, I was saying, "Spoiler alert: you die in the end. So why not live life?" Um, and and maybe that, and maybe it's because I'm an old soul. Um, Maybe it's because I almost died that I have this wisdom, but that's what I'd like to really encourage people is to cultivate self awareness and take responsibility. We're humans. We make mistakes. We're not perfect. That's the whole point of being in these meat suits.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And on the point of journalism and the media, I mean, it seems like false flags preceded the media. I mean, we've had false flags for as long as we've had uh, the U.S. government. So uh, it, it's it's just part part and parcel for what we have to deal with in a way. Do you think this documentary can change that and and, and expose this subject to a group of people who... You know, for the most part, I would argue that people in the African-American community across America have the sensibility to be, you know, more conspiratorial. I mean, a lot of my friends who are black are, are right on board with a lot of my conspiracy thoughts. So it, it's, it's, it seems like it would be fitting. Uh, it would hit right at home. And, and maybe they'd even feel a little bit of uh, like they got duped. Uh, I know that could be hard so- to admit. But I hope they can, you know, have some in, uh, integrity and rather than pride about it, you know. And uh, what are your thoughts on on the situation? I mean, do you think this documentary is going to make a difference?
1: If it can get out, because you know the new twist is uh, you'll have freedom of speech, you just won't have freedom of reach. People think that Elon made that lineup. It's the uh, the Anti Defamation League and Sasha Baron Cohen was saying that in um, 2019 when I first started talking about techno-fascism, which is a is a term that I popularized, and now I see others using it, um, but this is not new, and so it's called shadow banning, um, Elon. Um, I don't have my Twitter handle back. So I do think it can if someone is open-minded and... And um, certainly, yes, I've spoken to a lot of um, Black Americans who know about the Tuskegee experiment, who are skeptical. And I I would go as far as to say that the George Floyd PSYOP was used to get more vaccines into the arms of Black Americans. And when you find an NIH study where they're looking to the messaging of black lives matter because they know that the black lives know their lives don't matter and now none of our lives matter that oh look the government cares about racism maybe this jab is safe let me pull up my arm pull up my sleeve no I think lots of Americans black Americans know um see see through this I interviewed Larry Pinsky who's an OG Black Panther who lives in Murderopolis, aka Minneapolis, who told me George Floyd can kiss his black ass. Um, same thing. Had conversation with uh, Muhammad Ali's wife. Many, many, many see see through this, and I, I say that truth has no color. Perhaps because I'm brown, I can get away with saying things that. Someone else might, you know, who's white might not like that's a thing also that let's say, Mark, you commend me for my courage, but I don't see it as courage. It's just like now people, if you open the door for someone, they're like, Oh, thank you. It's like these these things have become rare and just being decent. And so I didn't know I, I didn't know where this was going to lead me two years ago plus, uh, I can say it's been very, very taxing on my spirit. I am just like with the bees. I set out to learn everything and become an authority. And now I can mm-hmm. say with confidence that I know more about this case than anyone on this entire planet. And that's, I'm not saying it with arrogance. Mm, it's the amanusha and the amount of time. And I, I, I really look forward to um, I ask God to please help me finish this book so I can go back to um, things that I, you know, I'm really into covering transhumanism and continuing to um, cover medical freedom. I have uh, I, I help people with with jab um, damage and with autoimmune and with mold. I'm a functional medicine coach and consultant through the school of the Institute of Functional Medicine. And, um, and that, that is my, uh, that is my passion. And I, I hope to be able to go because yeah, I, I, I do things a hundred percent. And so a lot of things have fallen to, to the waist. I w- want to say also that, um, there's a, a philosopher, René Girard, who spoke on ritual sacrifice and the scapegoat. And what has happened with the death of George is that you infuse justice into this one situation and um, doesn't really do anything. It doesn't, you know, the 27 million, which was the biggest civil suit in history to the to Floyd family, people at the presser asked um, how about you know in the cases of, of real cases of police brutality and racism, they're not going to see any of that money. And you have Benjamin Crump parading as a civil rights attorney when he's really an ambulance chasing shyster. And I called about Maurice. And I I asked, how about Maurice's black life? And uh, there was no return call. And at at the court, um, Maurice Lester Hall was sentenced to five years last Friday. And I sat in on the Zoom call because that's how we conduct uh, hearings these days. And at the very end, I unmuted myself and I said, you are all hypocrites. You made excuses for George Floyd's career criminal life and for his drug addiction. But how about this man's black life? And... They I shut down the whole Zoom call. They just they just shut it down, and then I called Maurice's mom, and I said, "Did you hear me?" And uh, his friends and family were calling and saying, "Who was that? Who was that lady?" Yeah, it's Mimi who injected herself into the George Floyd tale, and um, but this man Maurice, because I do believe. He, in second chances I believe in forgiveness and Maurice is has been a drug dealer his whole life but I'm a I'm I am I am i do not know why I really um my heart goes out to Maurice that he's gonna spend five years that he tried to get clean and that the courts just used him it's disgusting
0: yeah and it's it's a really, you know, bleak situation, the hypocrisy. I'm glad you were there to, to ex, you know, speak in that small opportunity that you had, <laughs> although they just shut the room down. I mean, that doesn't tell you everything right there. But when it comes to Maurice uh, and George Floyd, you know, a lot of people... Uh, on the opposite side of the equation are probably thinking to themselves, oh, well, these guys, they were low lives. Who cares about them? Let's just get over with this already. You know, that it kind of has that propaganda sure. to it too, that double edge where, you know, people are, are just like, oh, well, they didn't, you know, they were they were no good anyways, right? But, I mean, obviously that's not the case. We know they're human beings. Every human being deserves uh, a fair chance in this country and a, and a right to a fair trial for the most part I, I don't think George uh, even had a chance to uh, get arrested let alone make it to court I mean he was he was killed so let's let's talk a little bit about George and Maurice and and who they are as people because you know he's not just a, a drug dealer he's not just a low life he's a person I mean um,
1: Maurice, Maurice said, you know Mimi, that's my nickname, in black and white, I read like a piece of shit. And I paused and I said, yeah, I know Maurice. I thought you were a piece of shit. Because I thought he set up his friend because these are drugs that ultimately come from the Mexican cartel. And the irony, you you know, the global elitists or the system, the powers that be... They, they have these kind of like a few moments because here we have a guy, George, who would he have died if he had all these drugs, if he didn't have all these drugs in his system? Did George help kill George? Um, but if anyone cared about his black life or, you know, they would be looking at the fake fentanyl. And like you said, they would be looking at the fake money. And the fact that no one's heard about the source of this fake uh, cash. So, I mean, the, the thing with the critique against George is to martyr him and literally liken him to Jesus Christ. For Joey, Joey B, to say that he's had more of an impact than Martin Luther King, I mean, you know, that's a little excessive. It's excessive to literally um, consciously make him a, a modern messiah. And um, it's it's about the inversion. It's, it's all about the inversion. And, and now we have the glorification of, of criminals and the imprisonment of God-loving Americans. I know because I speak to Mark Grenon of Genesis Church, On a regular basis, Mark Grenon, if people recall when Trump referenced um, detergent, that the reference was to chlorine dioxide. And um, I had just started speaking to Mark. I had interviewed him. And, And then they arrested him. And it's an operation that was launched in March 2020 that not enough people know about called Operation Quack Hack. So in March 2020, the FDA, FTC, DOJ launched an operation. They went after Alex Jones. They went after me. So they closed down my company's ability to transact money for my transgression of using the word preventative and selling vitamin C and silver. And so I had built a million dollar company out of nothing. And the government has come after me for multiple, also for being one of the first, literally, in the online space in 2016 to sell liposomal organic CBD. And my company was making $75,000 a month. It's uh, simplytransformative.com for an organic liposomal vitamin C. Now, of course, everyone and their mother's making CBD and crappy. But they came after me for that. And on January 6th, because I was at, I was at the Capitol and uh shared my footage, ended up sharing my footage with Rudy Giuliani as a journalist. I was outside. They didn't go inside. And the same day, um, on Simply Transformative, I I lost my processor, which was Square at the time. For six months, I couldn't transact, make one penny. So, you know, the government has literally come after me and um, impacted my my livelihood so sorry i your question was about george and maurice and who who they were the the thing also i mean i'm lucky that i got to speak to maurice but in regards to george it's it's mostly it's it's mostly propaganda i called um floyd's Felonice Floyd, which is supposed brother and and the wife answered, and she hung up, she hung up the phone on my face. Um, She said, what do you know about, what do you know about George? And I'm like, I'm nothing if nobody talks to me. (laughs) She had hung up and no one's wanted to talk to me about George. And uh, recently, like I, I said, that I've read everything in regards to this event, that I came across um, a Washington Post book and they even have dialogue of George Floyd. That's called fiction because George is dead. So how could you make up dialogue with him? Uh, So, you know, you, you repeat the lies over and over again and they become truth. So I will tell you that George Floyd is a amalgamation, is a composite, for instance, saying that He graduated from Yates and um, had a scholarship. So I called for a uh, yearbook. And conveniently, the schools that George went to don't publish yearbooks. And uh, then I asked for the registrars to send me. You know, this is a lot of work to call and call again and to keep tabs on all the I's and T's and the details. And they basically cited FERPA, which I had never heard of, which is basically HIPAA for students. And so I don't they don't have to share with me transcripts. So I in in this in this investigation, I feel like a lot of things, like you said, synchronicities, that it's God knows my heart and the truth has a way to make its way. And I've had just crazy mm, opportunities that I've come my way. And and so I, I interviewed a boy that was seven years old at that game that supposedly George was at. And the athlete's called Floyd George, not George Floyd, Floyd George, which I know is bizarro. But so I have a witness. I have more than one witnesses. They even they went on YouTube and they edited the game. And you have the mainstream showing this athlete but it's not him. It's not George Floyd. So they created a composite in order to improve his reputation, let's say.
0: Hmm. Right, to create this image, this false flag character. It makes you wonder, like, you know, if this is something they've done for hundreds of years. in these historical martyrs that we have, you know, uh, not all of them, but I'm sure a few of them, you know, I wonder how much easier it would have been to pull something like this off before the days of cell phone cameras and the internet. I mean, as much as we are heading into a techno-fascist state, uh, there is this sort of shrinking horizon period that we have right now where... For worse or for better, they can't control the information, right? I think it's for better. I think you would agree. They can't control all the information and what information gets to whom. I mean, of course, there's that uh, freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. But I think people instinctually, intuitively are seeking this out more than ever. I don't know if you would agree with that. Maybe that's just my optimism. But I think that's
1: th- great. I'll take it. I'll <laughs> take your optimism. I, I think it depends. On the day to to ask me, I, I would also say that in these fa- false flags and psychological operations that they purposely put out red herrings. Yeah. And again, like, you know, how many times, oh, George is not dead. You no, know, it's possible that they gave him something that would put him out like Sleeping Beauty. However, I own... Um, images of, of of a dead body of autopsy and so i, I with my thought is that he wasn't maybe supposed to die or certain players didn't anticipate that he was that that was the ending and it is really like playing russian roulette i know that in a moment off camera when i told maurice you know, these drugs come from the Mexican cartel. And I interviewed a DEA investigator so that I can understand how modern, how the modern cartels work, because I I understood intuitively that this folklore of these drug pins and how it is not the reality. And so one, the DEA investigator said, it's like playing Russian roulette with your life. And then I also... I was like, you know, it looks like the government knows about the Mexican cartel. And then I came ac- across a book that had not even been pub- translated into English yet. Is a Mexican uh, journalist, and, and I have the interview on, on my Rumble channel, uh, Truth Lives Here. And his book is called The Me- Mexican Cartels Do Not Exist. And they bank exactly on this folklore for people to think this this um this war on drugs, but in reality it's a complicency. And what are we looking at in Minneapolis? We're looking at a at a money laundering, drug trafficking um operation with the complicity. It's like I, I say and in my book I have a chapter called um it's Ozarks on COVID. So everything's shut down. And let's say you have George, you know, who arguably was an informant and he's out of a job and and he, he's desperate for money. Either he's using this uh, fake cash and maybe he's a liability. And... um the convenience also of burning everything down along Lake Street and you have Catherine Austin Fitz who says this isn't a rioting pattern it's a real estate opportunity um, you know when you find out that Maria Maya Santa Maria the front woman for El Nuevo Rodeo that she conveniently sold the building in January 2020
0: Oh. It's where have we heard that kind of story before? <laughs> yeah, wow. jeez that's that's really telling. And I was about to ask you and you sort of got ahead of me. I'm glad you did. Um, you know, did you think that Floyd was working with the police in some capacity? I think you sort of answered my question there and I've been doing my own research on where I'm from it's part of Connecticut yeah. called New Haven. Uh, Yale yeah. university happens to be here and they definitely have played a role in bringing drugs into this country. I mean, their name, yeah. their named after a Dutch East India governor who definitely, uh, was shipping slaves, if not opium as well. So, uh, wow. Yale, Yale is, is very complicit in this down to the roots of their foundation. And, uh, yeah, it's it doesn't surprise me in the least. It's disturbing, of course, but you know New Haven is a gun wave in New Haven. That's our reputation, and it's you know was uh, a murder capital for some period in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen. So I'm sure whatever they're doing here it rhymes with what's going on in Minneapolis. And I also heard recently from a friend, uh, Recluse, who's a podcast called The Farm. He's been going up to wisconsin doing some research and he noted the fact that in a lot of these sort of midwest northern areas there are bar towns where there are so many bars it almost doesn't make sense to have that many bars in one town and Mm -hmm. i think when you see that kind of thing going on it's evidence that uh there's something else that the bars are making money from whether that's laundering money or trafficking of some kind right so uh yeah, I think w- we're sort of looking at possibly something that got out of hand. Would you agree like maybe their initial agenda for what they were going to use Floyd, you know, maybe that got out of hand and spun into something that they couldn't have accounted for. I mean, obviously the riot was sort of a controlled demolition, but the uh the aftermath, it, do- it doesn't seem like they anticipated people to point out the counterfeit stuff and they maybe hope that would all go out under the, under the radar.
1: It has, right? It has. I mean, I, I did a FOIA with the Secret Service, mm.
0: which
1: I'll show in the documentary, in the book, and they don't even venture to guess the source of this money. Mm. And they fail to mention some of the bills. Now, in, in reference to George, being an informant. So he leaves Texas for his new life in Minneapolis. Um, how how do we know that there wasn't a deal put in place? Because I asked, I'm like, huh, I wonder if Minneapolis to Texas is a drug corridor. Look, you're right, Miriam. Um, and so it is a drug corridor. And George, there is fuzziness about his trucking. Um, credentials so he was driving a truck Maya had a truck company so then in 2019 you look at the characteristics of a false flag and one of them is that they practice so if you have exactly to the year him being arrested And doing the same song and dance, this time he's swallowing oxy, uh, also made by the Mexican cartel, and does the whole, please, mama. So do that thing, George, but this time say, I can't breathe. Keep saying it, knowing that at one point it's like the boy who cried wolf, where it becomes real. And that's part of it, resuscitating... (laughs) this slogan of I can't breathe. So when the <clears throat> the um, trial, they made sure not to have any disparaging evidence because George wasn't on trial. And Scott Crichton is the officer that arrested George. And they brought him in prior the prosecution. Ellison and Steve Schlescher, who are the two of the several prosecutors and interview him, Scott, and say, okay, tell us what happened. So this was a sting operation in May, 2019. And and he explains that. And then the prosecutors go, you mean a a traffic stop? And he's like, no, this is a narcotics investigation. Oh, you mean a traffic stop? So they coerced, tried to coerce, and then he got relegated to testifying for the defense because he wasn't going to um, lie. And so they covered the fact that this arrest was a sting operation. Now, another thing that people don't know um, is that Maurice, his baby mama, um, Courtney Ross, the. bullshit girlfriend, fiance, and George were arrested in August, 2019. So, you know, whether it's like a test run and then they do it again, it's the, the unfortunate thing is with these false flags and sobs, like my drive is like, an just in earnest, wanting to understand, like my drive to study is like, I just, I really want to understand in my brain and it's unfortunate because you'll never get the definitive truth, right? How many, what is it, 60 years since JFK? And still like just, you know, they're still coming out with with new evidence. And um, I just know that thanks to George, I've studied Tavistock. I also credit uh, Courtney Turner, who um, has done extensive research on Tavistock and since since going down the deep dive that now i'm like oh these are the intel script writers because i i'm shown i'm audience and i am intuitive and i'm like owning it because i i've never really this my intuition has helped me a lot in this investigation but i see um scripts script pages being passed out and so it, Tavistock is the global brainwashing think tank hub. And like, for instance, you recall that four months later, the body worn footage was leaked because they weren't, they didn't want to put it out there. And I was in Costa Rica and I'm like, okay, first of all, when I saw that footage, I'm like, which grown man acts this way? George is acting like a whiny bitch. What? And then, so then I said, okay, I'm gonna reach out to the journalist at the Daily Mail. Well, this is another synchronistic coincidence. Like in my other life, when I had worked in Hollywood and uh, was leaking in gossip to People Magazine and in touch, vapid shit. And so the editor that was working for InTouch, was now the reporter for the Daily Mail. And so I called him. Uh, But it was just fortuitous that I had that connection. And then I also said to myself, I wonder if the Daily Mail has connections to Tavistock because Tavistock started out of the House of Wellington, 1921-ish And so Daily Mail was run by Lord Northcliffe, who was buddy-buddy with um, Rothschild. And so it is definitely um, a rag that helps perpetuate this propaganda bullshit world, um, information, disinformation. So it's it's all connected. And I've learned a lot thanks to George Floyd.
0: Yeah, I hope this documentary helps people realize that this is something that goes on uh, in a lot of these cases. And there was even a sort of preamble to the Floyd event. I mean, we have the guy in New York City who was choked uh, while standing up. There was several, I mean, hundreds of people that experienced police brutality and it was televised and and made a big show of for the years to come Uh, but now it seems like the narrative has switched back to school shootings and you know we don't have the as much emphasis uh, on that that sort of side of things seems like it's a a shuffling, like three-card Monty, like, all right, here, we're going to show you this now, now we're going to show you this, and, like, the ball keeps moving every time. Uh, but, yeah, I can't help but uh, but focus on the fact that Floyd seems like an agent of some kind. I mean, an informant, sure, but, uh, you know, uh, these gangs, I don't think that they have the outlaw status that we tend to give them i think they're more often than not working in cahoots with the same people that prosecute them or go after them it's just a sort of like shuffling around back and forth you know the drugs go here now they go here oh now they're in our lockup oh now they mysteriously left the lockup uh next thing you know they're on the streets again right i mean it seems like the drugs are not being taken off the streets; they're being further spread. You know,
1: yeah. So, you know, on one end of the spectrum is um, would be the belief that these uh, stories are co-opted after the fact, mm. and that there's no shortage of them, and that this just fell on Benjamin Crump's desk. And then there's the other end of the spectrum that thinks everything is fake. George is still alive. And and I'm I'm in the middle, um, because I just don't think that it's just a coincidence that you are recirculating this I can't breathe. So early on, I I was watching uh, it must have been May 26th. Bridget Floyd is on TMZ. And as I said, I look at details and she's wearing a t-shirt that says, I can't breathe. Oh. Oh. Are print shops essential, Bridget? Where'd you get that shirt overnight? Did someone FedEx it to you? Where did you get that shirt? So I do a search. I can't breathe, George Floyd, Benjamin Crump. And I'm like, Oh, my God. Eric Garner also said I can't breathe 11 times. And he was also represented by Benjamin Crump. Wow. And on the heels of literally the next day, ushering in these mask mandates. And for reals, when I wore my face diaper, the first thing that came to my mind is I can't fucking breathe. Excuse my language. And so is that just a coincidence that you have all of these people in the streets saying I can't breathe while they're wearing a face diaper? So I just, I do not think that it's just a coincidence. There's so many coincidences in this story. At the other end, I don't think that it's all fake. I think that they compartmentalize these players and it's like Reno 911 and it is really like my book is called George Floyd a multi-layered psyop examined and it is multi-layered and it is multi-purposeful um, multi-purpose and like i just said you know to usher in the color revolution to go from virus to violence to bring in um the I can breathe to get jabs into um, black, black men um, and women. Um, it's just multi-purpose. Um, there was in regards to George being an informant. Of course, we'll never know because the other three officers, you know, they pushed it for two years because that's usually the time it takes for real investigations. And The people, the mob got their satisfaction with uh, Derek. But the principle is, if you believe in, if you want justice and a fair trial, this guy, Derek, didn't didn't get uh, a fair trial. So early on, Alexander Kang, who's Black, by the way, another rookie, filed a motion to look at whether... There's any information, George, being an informant, working for the FBI, um, but that, you know, I called Plunkett, who was the attorney for Kang, and I wasn't able to get any clarity on whether there was any evidence that was going to be submitted. I would also say that covering the federal trial that probably many don't even know happened and... Unfortunately, I wasn't there in in person. I had to rely on pool notes and all the context and information that I have that it was like the manual, the 573 page police manual was on trial and that this was a drill. So which is another another multi, you know multi-purpose. And so during the trial, They have a Mackenzie Anderson, I think, I'm not sure on her name, but they have the woman, the person who's in charge of the live exercise scenarios. And they say, have you done a duty to intervene scenario? And they admit that they designed it, but they never played it out. And I would argue that George Floyd is the duty to intervene scenario, 3,000 bills have been passed um, because now, as you likely know, Alexander Kang and Thomas Lane were found guilty of aiding and abetting, basically not doing enough. And so in the future, a rookie is expected to push his FTO, field training officer supervisor aside and and doing more and, and getting involved just basically crossing um, the orders of his superior. So I I think that this was a duty to intervene live exercise. I think that a lot of the things that we're seeing, and I reference Mike Pompeo in 2020, who gave during a press presser says, we're in a, we're in a live exercise. And then Trump goes, you should have told me, you should have told us. And bill billy gates bill billy boy gates's latest book in chapter seven is called practice 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 and shows the different whether it's a drill whether it's a live exercise the different ways you know we're all lab rats they're constantly collecting data and pivoting and acting and i i i believe that a hundred percent
0: yeah and it really needs to be said that the psyop is not an individual single operation it's the overall project right it's that overall agenda and you know i don't know if we agree or differ on this but i think you know for worse we're all being processed into this Mm -hmm. transhumanist Mm -hmm. future it seems i mean maybe 30 40 years ago we would have called it something different but uh they certainly were aware of it then we're aware of it now, and it's evolved to the point where it seems like we're heading towards that term you you might have coined techno fascism right and I mean, do you have any examples uh that you can point to of of maybe how this george i mean you just laid one out with the police force and and how you know now defund the police is another slogan that was kind of born out of this, uh, you know, or at least popularized after this case. Uh, do you think that that's leading us towards like a sort of Terminator style police force with these robot android cops? Like, is that the overall agenda, you know, make the police look incompetent and unable, you know, over over violent, brutal and so that we replace them with something else?
1: Yeah, I I do think that um, this helped mm, inch the needle forward towards this minority report type of McJustice where you're banking on mob rule or cameras. There's a lot of emphasis on believe your eyes, like, hello, Hollywood magic. And Obi Wan Kenobi says, "Do not believe your eyes, for they will deceive you." And let's say with Derek, there's something, and I mention it in the book and film called camera perspective bias, and so it depends on the angles. But because they preyed on this collective wound of the black community, and and I also will show Myron Fagan. Who uh, gives a talk in 1968 on how to bring America to its knees, and it's by playing the race car card. But yeah, we we are inching our way. J6 was also an operation for uh, facial recognition. Mm, all these cameras. It's, there's the justice system is is very disgusting and appalling. And it really doesn't matter what color you are. It de- depends on whether you can buy justice. And uh, like during the during uh, the aftermath and, and during the trial, you know, Maurice pled the fifth and uh, he was being represented by a public defender, black woman named Adrian Cousins. And I, I told Maurice, "I'm," I said, "I'm clear audience, so I, I can suss out a lot from someone's voice." And so I called this woman, Adrian, so I can hear her voice, and she didn't give a shit about Maurice. She's, she's, she's beholden to the state, and so I said, "Maurice, I don't, uh, I don't think this woman, Adrian, has her, her your back," and he kind of like you know, disregarded the comment. And then he calls me again uh, from jail. And he goes, Mimi, you were right. And so he decided to go pro se. Um, Anyway, and then I I watched the lawyers just, the the courts just have a field day. Just so disgusted by the hypocrisy of really not even caring. Like this man... You know, you know about CPS. The fact that CPS has taken his kid away, vaccinated his kid—it just—it makes my heart cry. Um, But anyway, to answer your question, yes, I do believe that we're we're heading towards this um, social credit score and this surveillance state, and that people really need to keep in mind the Overton window, and that this is about the long play and making incremental changes and pushing and pushing, just like 9-11 played its part in the Patriot Act, just like J6 played its part, and you inch the needle, and if you're a boiling frog or you don't have vision, you don't see where this is heading, the trajectory, and so they can make fun of people like me that um, <clears throat> see that they're wanting to create a homo techno and chip them, um, and it might not happen right away. But that's that is the direction that we're going. And in two years, look at what the Rona regime has done to our to our society and these children. Who are now being raised under face diapers that can't read each other's body language when, it, to begin with, people are not using their intuition or discernment or all the nonverbal, or just even realizing that we're led by our subconscious more than our conscious um, mind. That, what is this going to do? Who, you know, when you see a seven year old, this is like last year, I have a medical freedom group on Twitter with 50 people way before the Rona. And there's the seven-year-old is like, that unvaccinated people are putting our society at risk. Like, what are we creating? We're creating little monsters. We're creating ones and zeros where instead of optimizing our biology and really reaching for excellence, and maybe it's because I've almost died and I feel like life is precious and life is short and shorter than ever, that we must aspire to improve ourselves and be the best version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And instead, I feel that it's, 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 we've, we've, di- we've digressed, we've regressed, we've regressed.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I think about as you were describing that when I was a kid and, and, I don't. I didn't have the foresight to know exactly why, but I remember having a very distinct Mm. dislike of the idea that I had to go and get shots to go to school, and my mom being like, "Oh, shut up! Don't you know? Don't argue. You gotta take this in order to get to school. You know, this is something you have to do." I was born in ninety four, so I'm sure it may have been different for other generations, but I remember my generation. You know, uh, we got it. Right away, like one for elementary school, and then one for high school, and both times I was very adamant against it. And by the high school, I had I had more reasoning behind my you know disagreement. But uh, I was I guess I was ahead of the curve to some degree because back then you'd talk about this stuff with people, and they'd be like, "What are you talking about? It's medicine, you know." And 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 now ironically more there's more people that I can talk about this stuff with and they sort of see the right. the hypocrisy of it so I don't I mean I I realize the technocrats Bill Gates and such they they want to keep doing more of these drills and more of these pandemics but uh I mean don't you don't you see people sort of wising up to that at least outside of the sort of blue controlled zones I mean Connecticut is Democrat, but I I have a lot of you know uh, conversations with people from all walks of life, and for the most part, it's eighty percent against the vax. I mean, for the most part, which is encouraging, you know. Like it, it just it does seem like they haven't gotten everybody, but the the kids, unfortunately, you know, they're at that level where, I mean, it's just being given to them as authority, right? They didn't I mean. I'm sure there's some that are questioning it, but yeah, sad. Yeah,
1: but, but but who cares if they question it because they, just like you were gaslit, um, I mean, it, it happens. I remember right. when I was born in 73 in Montreal, and I remember at an appointment, I see it in my mind's eye, I don't know how, maybe it was 11, 12, and getting a round of vaccines, and I... I was too young to question, question anything. I I do thank myself for whatever reason from a young age, not taking the flu vaccine, not wanting a TB shot, not wanting, not just inherently being like, I don't need that. Um, I do wonder what my brain or my health would have been like had I not taken A vaccine. And of course, my parents coming from Egypt wouldn't have known. My mom, the the irony is that I'm like the black sheep. My sister, who I don't talk to um, for years, was um, doing focus groups for the drug. So I remember um, being visiting Montreal, and her and her um, now ex husband were going through People magazine and all the drug ads saying what the side effects are and the folk and the tests, the folk like giving, giving inside information on the trials. And um, so, so she, they're all really plugged in. My mom um, is a translator, speaks seven languages and was working for Roche in Montreal and was translating documents from English, from French to English and I remember her saying, she was at a, I guess, I don't know some some meeting, and they were going over their revenue. And my mom said, "Why are you guys all so happy um, over monies that you've made over the sick sick people?" And her boss said, "You don't belong in this room." And yet, she took the flu vaccine at the time because my sister coerced, basically gave her an ultimatum. She wanted to see my niece and nephew, got very sick, and then was coerced to take the jab, and is now vaccine injured. Her gallbladder uh, failed, and she has a permanent respiratory issue. Um, My niece, at 13, had myocarditis. Do they know? And my dad worked as a mechanical engineer for Procter & Gamble, J&J, Pfizer, and won't talk to me. And he's double jabbed and uh, scared. Yeah, literally found out he's in Florida and has is not responding. And it's like, I'm shredded inside. I, I know that I'm not the the only one, and this is part of the design of how many friends... And family members that we've lost, but I I don't regret it, and I'm I'm really happy to be on this side of history. It's I mean, it's still people don't know. There's I've been saying from before the vaccine hit the market, there's going to be a silent, blatant culling going on. I have people, and and I I created. It's the last part is about to come out on Dr. Sherry Tenpenny's site about how, how the mRNA works. And uh, I was asked to put together protocols. They haven't been published yet, but I couldn't put the protocols together un- until I myself understood what was going on with the spike, with the PEG, with the mRNA, mm-hmm. with the different components. And I read what I wrote and I don't even know if how I channeled this because I'm not a science, I'm not a scientist. I'm a smart lady um, and I'm diligent and detail oriented. but and and this is uncharted territory, but I lay out in 10 piece 10 parts, which I'm going to make into an ebook. And then I have all these protocols and I'm not a doctor, I'm a coach and consultant. I work with doctors. But all the different ways, and and I have like someone yesterday, desperate, getting nosebleeds, has skin issues, heart racing. I told him, did they tell you to take a D-dimer test? And he didn't even know what a D-dimer test was. So who are these doctors? Because, oh, it's all in your head. Just gaslight you, gaslight you. And this just makes me so livid. Um, and And my heart bleeds. I feel these people, and yet you know we we are we are gaslit, and I still don't have my Twitter handle back. It's like they took all my data, and just like Dr. Judy Mikovits is a professional researcher, so am I, and all of these all these clips, the archives, these studies, everything you know, showing, telling people in the future. Um, It's like, uh, I'm waiting to get it back. Just like, you know, Courtney Turner's still waiting. I I know Ryan Last Vagabond got his back then was taken off then I think got his back again. But I don't know. I've appealed 10 times. And I've waited two years to get my fucking data back. I'm not giving up. And I don't know who to go to for help. But I, I want my data back and the lively you know many of us our livelihoods been been impacted the same thing with george floyd it's like will it come out will it get out it's really up to the people you know when the people watch this film to to share it and um hopefully to be open minded to open minded for the truth once after the fact that they've um already created Made a, made a decision, uh, drawn, a, drawn a conclusion. I, I was um, reaching out to a university here in Florida to try to get interns um, because of the impacts on my company. And I had a lovely talk with this media professor. And then, you know, I also was um, smeared in a six-part series on NBC Peacock called Shadowland. My Wikipedia page was co-opted, so they said that I'm a Q follower. And I would tell you if I followed Q, but I've never followed Q. And so this guy that was going to help me get an intern or get interns, the next day emails me with my Wikipedia page and says that he reneges all offer to help me. Instead of bringing me in, he admitted that he teaches his students that Wikipedia is co-opted, uh, yeah, no shit. And instead of bringing me in, as this is a real journalist, she's made an award-winning film that's been seen around the world. She's a hard-hitting journalist. No, you take back your offer, and you become a shitty-ass person. And you say, "Oh, if you're if you're going to say that these officers shouldn't be in prison for the rest of their lot of their lives, then I don't want to have anything to do with you." This is the the arrogant indignation of brainwashed people. Because if you were to come to me, Mark, and say, I think you got it wrong on this thing, then I'd be like, oh, shit, I got it wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, I'd look at the evidence. Um, but but they bank on people having an emotional, in, being emotionally invested.
2: Right.
1: And so it's, it's very sad because it warps truth.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, the truth has been warped out of proportion. And I'm, I'm especially sorry to hear about that with your family. I know how it is to have those, uh, disputes with family. I mean, from family members with cancer to family members with children who have, uh, learning disabilities. I mean, I've, I've had a few sort of conversations that got really touchy, got really, you know, past the point where they felt like they wanted to hear from me at all, you know, and it, and it's this cognitive dissonance or oversensitivity, you know, for an alternative health approach, you know, people just do not want to hear it. And it's what's really bizarre is a place that I used to go to get some really great health supplements still to this day, despite the fact that every major business is not requiring the masks, they are still requiring masks in their store. And this is the place where I would go for right. the, the most, the real stuff, like the organics, right. the top notch stuff. And, you know, cause Whole Foods, yeah, they have some of it, but not, not all of it. And even Whole Foods, you know, they were very, very much, uh, mask Nazis yes. and, and they've oh, yeah. given up their whole thing on that. So, yeah, it's disappointing really to see those sort of divides being created around health in our families. And I mean, I lost, uh, I lost a grandfather a couple years ago and I'm really grateful that he passed away when he did, because I know he would have probably fell for the the jab Mm. stuff in a way. And in a a sad sort of sick way, you know, I'm, I'm glad he passed before all this and didn't have to go through any of it, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a a tough time, but this documentary, you said it's coming out on the 15th and, uh, and, you know, people can add this to the many psyops that they need to be filled in on. Cause I think part of this, really the value in this is, is being able to take this information and use it moving forward to discern when they're duping us in real time, you know, because this is, this is something that they've employed against us before they'll do it again, uh, in different schemes. So I'm really grateful that you have the bravery. I know you said it it's more of a just a human impulse and it should be more commonsensical. Unfortunately it's not. So you are very brave and I do want to acknowledge that. Thank um you so
1: I just don't see it my, myself just like people go, You're so passionate. And it's like I'm just being myself, but you know, if I could bottle and sell that passion, um I'm I'm unfortunately not driven by money. And so I'm not one of those um you know content influencers making uh 50k a month and offering collagen so it's it's unfortunate um that's just not what drives me um yeah so i am driven by truth and, and understanding in my coaching um there is a survey it's called the VIA survey VIA it's free takes 15 minutes and it lists cuz um Functional medicine coaching is steeped in positive psychology, and it's more like I'm a cheerleader to help you make these uh, changes. So you can go and take the survey and see what your strengths are. It's all positive, but then you can uh, leverage your top strengths. Um, you know, so it's like some people will have humor or love of beauty. Like my number one is literally love of learning. So that that's what really drives me and and maybe if the chip was benevolent i would consider it when i saw the movie limitless i was a very enthused to to try to increase my processes i'd love to be able to synthesize information faster but unfortunately i just don't trust uh, the powers that be Mm. but
0: yeah no absolutely no when it comes to health, I, I have a love for learning as well. I hope that many people that listen to this show do. Uh, do you have any pro tips for you know certain ways that us learners can maximize our, our health and, and maybe even... Uh, increase ah. brain function because there's all sorts of supplements out there you know lion's mane they're they're bringing you your gummies and saying oh take this what do you recommend
1: and gummies? well january 15th is also my 50th birthday wow. i've reversed lupus i've literally learned how to walk again after being smashed by an suv and dragged 50 feet across the cement and so um I really believe that food is thy medicine or food is thy foe. And I'm one to work with people. Um, I'm big into tests. So I use I use Dutch, which is an organic acids looking at your metabolites. I studied um, metabolite, beta, metabolomics, which is we have 5,000 metabolites that uh, create all the different processes to create, you know, in the Krebs cycle. So looking at your mitochondrial function. And I'm I'm just really big on first and foremost food. Um, most people have leaky gut and um, it's basically the gut is the second brain is responsible oh, yeah. for making serotonin. And uh, so I work with people to clean up their diet. So even just doing little upgrades, like if they drink coffee, Hopefully, they're drinking conventional coffee. It's just one of the most highly sprayed crops. And uh, looking at like low uh, mold, low acid. So I do little upgrades as far as nootropics. Um, I really like to look at people taking tests. So I work with Viome, which is a gut intelligence test. I work with Dutch and uh, some blood. I'm big into ozone. Um, I just got, I was doing ozone I One of my expertise is not only autoimmune, but mold toxicity, which I've dealt with. I have an HLA SNP, which means that I'm not able to properly detox, detoxify, and uh, functional medicine is really looking at the root. So it's not just, putting you on a treadmill and putting band-aids. It's really looking at the roots. If I work with someone, I use my investigative skills to really look at the details, even factors before they were born, whether they were vaginally, um, if the mom vaginally gave birth, or cesarean, breastfed, what conditions the parents were going through to really understand. Um, So right now I'm once again, I got a tank, so I'm doing um, insufflations. I'm doing ear. Um, I'm dealing with. Um, I'm dealing with nighttime peeing, just wrecking my life. Waking up four or five fucking times a night to pee. So I'm. I'm always using myself as a guinea pig, and it could be many different things. It could be oxalates. It. It could be um, mold. It could be parasites. Um, so I just really take a deep dive. I I like for nootropics, I mean, mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms are great. Lion's mane is great. I like stacks, but every person is different to create their own nootropic stack. I'm big on 5-HTP. I'm big on theanine. I've taken theanine for years to help with sleep. It's a really beautiful, um, supplement I, I find. And, uh, it really also depends on your genetic snips. Uh, I find that people like there's some must-haves. Like I'm into liposomal, my CBD on Simply Transformative is organic and it's with Chinese herbs. Um, looking at biofilm, a lot of people have chronic issues, whether it's mold or lime, There's biofilm, and these critters live behind the biofilm. I'm also really into. You know, if I've done several interviews with Dr. Brian Artis, who's, in my opinion, a genius. We did a whole episode on um, parasites. I have probably one of the best stories I've written, which ended up with Quillette, is titled How I Lost My Partner to a Parasite. And in this transhumanist agenda, I really, I'm fascinated and irked by this parasite insect um nano relationship of um these heavy metals this that are in the jab and giving like they're using chitin which is in the bugs right they want you to eat crickets and insects but they're using the chitin uh, or chitin which is not digestible by the gut and they're using it with the nano um, technology. Um, it's very fascinating. And this whole like bug thing, I just, I just see this kind of theme and it's come to the point where I just don't even think these people, uh, at the top are in control. You know, parasites can take over, modify your behavior. And I just wonder if it's, if it's human. I know it sounds crazy, but, I don't feel that you know is it oh you know people would say it's just your incapacity to accept the level of evil but I think that a lot of people today whether it's because of the vaccine or the shit that they eat they're not in body they're not in their body they're not present and you know it just I just feel like this is our temple and I see a lot of people in the health movement that are eating cheesecake and drinking up the booze on the side and for me I want to walk my talk and not be of course I'm not perfect but just just to really that's for me because in this in this society that we live in I've really been reflecting there is really no rewarding good behavior anymore in this inverted luciferian um society like we've replaced sacred with satan and so where, where do I get this virtuous thrust, um, desire to be the best that I can be or to be a good person? Is again, nothing's rewarding, rewarding us. Um, it's just to see how, what we can do with, with the human species rather than relegate it to zombies. Be, because, you know, the food and the poisons have literally robbed people of their IQ points. And the brain is very important. So there's a lot of nootropics that one can take, but it really depends on your own brain chemistry. And I think experimenting, because let's say the medicinal mushrooms, like if you have an autoimmune condition, uh, sometimes those medicinal mushrooms can be uh, too heating for the body. I I, I had one friend that had a a flare up. She had a, she has psoriasis. And doesn't eat meat. In her case, I, I really think she'd benefit from eating meat. Um, and it was, I, I told her, hey, I think, you know, th- you're doing, overdoing it on the mushrooms. And then it calmed down her system. They're supposed to be adaptogens, but they can be a little bit too exciting for, for the system, depending on what's going on. I, I just want to say one more thing that it's unfortunate because like one of the reasons why I want to go back to Costa Rica is because I don't want to be around all these poisons. I'm so too uber aware. Whether it's the five G, the shit in the water, in the soil, it, it's it's uh, it's blasphemy to me. It's just sacrilegious to to just poison us like this. And it's basically dodging poisons. You have to. I tell people you have to basically pay more to not be poisoned.
0: Right absolutely yeah it's making me want to get out of this uh megalopolis I live in the New York you know uh greater area even though I'm not in New York it yeah. spreads from like Boston all the way down to maybe DC and it's literally like concrete there's so much concrete that they call it a megalopolis and uh yeah it, it, it's an it, Pronounced difference. Every time I've ever been outside of where I'm from in a more yeah. you know rural area, went up to Porcupine Fest in New Hampshire uh, a summer ago, and and it was it was fantastic. The difference in in the weather and yeah, I, I, as much as I don't want to be a survivalist type who flees from society, I, I don't think we have many options at this point. You you have a point there. I mean they are. Uh, poisoning us from all angles. So all the more reason for people to go and get those proper tests and and figure out what their health, you know, really means to them and and how they can take advantage of what's available. And and there is a place where maybe they can go and learn a whole bunch through you. What's the website that folks can go to learn about uh, more, you know, health tips and through your coaching?
1: Well, for now, I'll give my email. I'm relaunching my magazine. I've had to um, basically hide myself from my company because of my reporting. Um, In reality, I'm a hero, but I've uh, negatively impacted my own company. So I'll be launching uh, hive.wisdom.com, which will be the magazine. And people can still go to Honey Colony. Um, but if they want to work with me, and once I do finish this project, God willing, I'm going to go back to just uh, focusing on solutions and working with people because I get so many requests to help them with this jab. So people can email Mariam, M-A-R-Y-A-M, at honeycolony.com, um, and also my website, com where um, they can learn about my weekly show, which is at 11, 11 a.m. Eastern Fridays called Truth Lives Here. It's on Rumble and Rockfin. And uh, my articles, you can go to Dr. Uh, the Tenpenny Report. I'm sure people know Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. She's one of my heroes and I'm honored to write for her. And um, and, and the um, the protocols against the jabs is still in the works. I, I wrote it a year ago, and um, I'm waiting for it to be uh, published. Um, but regardless, you need to work with a doctor. So I work. I I usually gather, do the intake, and uh, have an idea, and then we'll. In you know, you can t- get on my regiment and take the tests, but I also work with a doctor. I am a big fan of, like I said, ozone. I do, I would say the one thing that um, helped me the most, ironically, to reverse my autoimmune condition uh, was coffee enemas. And um, I know there's other, that that's the most seen video, if you can find it on coffee enemas. Um, yeah, I was doing them twice a year for two years, religiously. To help detox, um, because in reality, for me, I was diagnosed with lupus, but it was after being sprayed by pesticides, just like the bees in the Dominican Republic, coupled with Epstein Barr virus, and it was it was this time last year. I was in Miami. I had just escaped Fornia and uh, I had danced for two hours. I'm a dancer, and there was a guy in a Hawaiian shirt doing, and I'm like, "Are you doing a man on the street?" And I took the microphone and I said things like, well, I said, I'm the bee lady, sheeple, China, Chinafornia, and that I reversed lupus. It got 5.1 million views. It went viral to the point that they disabled my ability to be tagged on Instagram because the number one thing that people wanted to know is how did you reverse lupus and how on earth are you 50 years old? And um that that's my joy to be able to help others and to again walk my talk and say if I could be 50 and look youthful um you can too anything is possible yeah you know, for but the you audio have to
0: listeners off. if maryam told me she was turning 30 i would have believed her i mean it's yes you absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah um yeah, I'm I'm super grateful, and I I really take these poisons seriously, which is why I want to leave and just live with the butterflies and the boars and mm-hmm. had optic Wi-Fi internet, but deep in the jungle. Um,
0: well, and on that point you made earlier about the insects, I don't think it's crazy at all. I mean, I know I'm sure you know the name of this podcast, so it's welcome right? conversation here. But do you think that? it's possible that these beings that you know we call nephilim or anunnaki or whatever these old beings were do you think that that's their ultimate goal possibly to get us into some kind of hive mind insect sort of situation i mean do do you go that far with your yes
1: i do absolutely i do um I do I my production company when I was making Vanishing of the Bees, I was thinking about this the other day was hive mentality films and looking at, you know, the bees are part of the Masonic symbol. And there's positive and negative to everything. You know, you can have positive aspects of a Capricorn, negative aspects for for instance, positive aspects of hive mentality. Um and then there's this group think. So I I, I do think if, if you're, you know, now now it's mob rule, right? That's the new justice. Vengeance is the new justice. And um, if they can have people working in with group think, I, I think that's part of, uh, you know, you, you see, Anyone can go on YouTube and look at Neuralink. In the past two weeks, they've done a show and tell presentation. Everybody want to see insertions? Yay! And so they're drumming up, they're normalizing, getting excited to see someone's brain being threaded with nanotech with the neural lace. Um, so where is it going? Again, this is the over 10 window and it's incremental changes. And so if you're a visionary like I am, you can look into the future and look at the trajectory that we're on. Uh, so you know, we're the last of uh the the pure bloods, the non-genetically modified humans um they they said on on turning point Charlie Kirk they were saying that there's only 50,000 of us that haven't been jabbed. I don't know. Uh if that's the truth. I I had surgery I guess a year, a little more than a year ago, a year and a half ago, in San Francisco. And uh, I, I, uh, they they said, okay, we're going to give you blah, 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 blah for pre-pain. I'm like, what? You're going to give me pain meds before the pain? Like pre-pain? And I'm like, no, thanks. But I did take scopolamine, which is from the Belladonna plant, which is um, a nightshade. Anyway, I, I put it behind for nausea, for the, for the anesthesia, and I even had to tell them, don't give me fentanyl. I, I had to say, I tried to get ketamine, but uh, they didn't go for that. Anyway, so when I put this this little patch behind my ear, I got a little woozy, and then they went through the the prep where we talk about a transfusion, and I just blurted out like a Tourette's syndrome, like Tourette's um victim. I said, I don't want it, I don't want unvax. I don't want vaccinated blood. And uh she looked at me dead in the eyes and said, So you wanna die? And I looked at her back in the eyes and I should have said no, exactly. I don't want to die. But I did say yeah, I rather die than get vaccinated blood. Thanks. Um I don't know why I brought that up, but I think people just need to be very careful. I, I fully believe that hospitals are killing fields. I don't want to have anything to do with them. And so it's best to be preventative and, and people don't realize they'll tell me, well, I don't need a lot of gluten, but you're 45, honey. You've not been eating a lot of gluten for 45 years. You know, it's, it accumulates in the body and so I'm also a big, big fan of detoxing, uh, you know, okay. taking NAC. We called it in 2020 that they were going to take NAC off the shelves. Why? Because it helps and helps with liver function and because they want to patent it. That's the name of the game. You know, isolate, synthesize, make it yours. And, um, you know, and I just learned from investigative journalist George Webb that, uh, yeah, Robert Malone is um, involved in synthetic nicotine. And so why are they going after the nicotine? Is it because it nicotine helps with the n- nic- nicotinamide receptors and the B3, the B aspects of, uh, yeah, probably. They want to synthesize uh, what's happening with vapes. They've made it illegal in certain places like San Francisco, Uh, to buy real nicotine why bizarre
0: yeah no they they make it popular for the kids and then they justify it as oh we got to protect the kids take the vapes off the shelves but then they replace it with you know all of these flavors and these horrible concoctions you know it's like what are you what are you putting in your body like just to get a cherry flavor in no. the form of a, a breath? Like I it's it doesn't no. make sense to Plus me. Because
1: it's full of it's full of uh nasty, nasty ingredients made in China. Um right. these cheap ass vapes, right. disgusting, just disgusting. It's like so do you need to love yourself? Because you know, there's the notion of like, oh, I cheat once a week, and it's like, who are you cheating? Like, I don't have cheating. Right. There's no cheating. This is a lifestyle and if anything get pissed off to refuse to have these corporations and the government poison you fuck that excuse my language
0: no you don't need to excuse yourself it's uh it's about time you know we got to take the gloves off and and tell people and i think the folks that listen to this show you know they're well aware of it and i like to to try to end with a uh, you know, silver lining, so to speak. Yeah. You know, and, and I think we have kind of rounded out the the corners there. But on the point of, you know, people who maybe are in families where they're the odd one out, they're the black sheep. You know, what would you say to those folks if they're concerned about their health and and their family's health? What do you think the best first steps are?
1: Well, it really depends, unfortunately, where you live. I mean, I I'm not in a town and. I have to tell you, it's difficult to get access to. It's not. It's not like LA, that's for sure. Whereas, you know, treat myself to a twenty dollars um, superfood smoothie, and there's not no such thing. So it really depends. It's a sad. It's sad that um, it's become based on whether you can afford it or not. But you know, I just say eat clean, and I. Um, don't eat gluten or dairy or sugar. Uh, I follow more um, I'm into ketone key, um, uh, ketosis and um keto, so um, a lot of fats and it's it's like it's not to be taken for granted. I don't take it for granted. I, I think that we don't really need to eat that much. So not into carbs. I mean, everything turns into sugar anyway. You can have too much protein, it'll turn into sugar, sugar will turn into sugar. So um, I do think running on ketones is a superior way to run your tank, so to speak. But every person has to eat for themselves. But I, I think it's pretty, you know, one thing is to just avoid the poisons and read. It's like yesterday I made the trip to Whole Foods and I could not find wild salmon i do not want to eat salmon that's been given genetically modified corn and um you d- can't tell anymore if it, it, like there was one brand it was very hard to find wild and then the wild options had sugar why the fuck are you putting sugar in my fish mm. why you know and it's and then they, even one brand was like zero sugar look I'm so lucky they didn't put sugar in my fish like why it makes no sense It's like do people know they put sugar in cigarettes in um my friend worked for American Spirits and told me um so it's really reading labels unfortunately as of late there's been a bastardization of a lot of supplements of a lot of formulas and you'll find a lot of beautiful formulas um but then they have magnesium stearate, titanium dioxide. And so it's really, I'm a purist. I don't expect people to be um, as, as rigid as I am. But I don't see that I'm, I don't feel like I'm uh, missing out on anything. I don't drink any alcohol. I do smoke pot. And um, I admit it, that's like my, me being, you know, my vice or having a kombucha is like Miriam going wild um but uh, i'm just very very strict on what i put into my body mm. no, and, I, yeah i'm right there, there are with more you. options
0: hmm? i'm right there with you yeah i i think it that's a great that's a great way to to stave out all of these unnecessary health things that people are constantly like, oh yeah, you know, you need to go get a checkup for this and that. If you make the, the shift to a healthy diet, you'll yeah. notice immediately all of those little symptoms that you had that made you go to the doctor for this or that. They're not going to be present. I mean, it's, it, for me, it happened a couple of years ago. I started eating healthy and my face cleared you know, I started growing my hair. You know, my beard came in. Like a a, nice. a bunch of differences in in my health from uh, from just making that switch to from conscious eating to or from unconscious eating to conscious eating. Yes, so.
1: yes. And so usually I can make a few little changes, and people can see see the difference. You know, even the water. Like if you're eating at a restaurant, <laughs> probably using tap water. Tight. And that's, um, you know, just finding out like, oh, in Mississippi, they they have to boil their water. Like, how, how about like, that's disgusting. It's disgusting.
2: Yeah.
0: It's
1: disgusting. It's like we really need to be the change that we want to see and um
0: how sad is it that the state named after one of the biggest rivers in the world and the biggest river in our country they can't even drink water i mean it's out of the ground or out of from around them i mean it's crazy yeah i'm with you i mean i'm i'm definitely fortunate being in a sort of uh in connecticut we have we're told we have great water here and like this area has good water and uh, some of the rivers have been polluted by the numerous gun companies that made their factories on the river shores but uh but yeah really? for the most part, this area has some pretty clean water. I think you know economically speaking, it kind of shows you know the places that have good water also have a bunch of very wealthy people uh buying up all the land and and living there in their little exclusive communities and whatnot so uh, I'm jaded, but anyways, uh, when it comes to <laughs> well, I'm
1: jaded too. So.
0: <laughs> when it comes to this George Floyd documentary, I really encourage everybody to go and check it out. It's going to be on Movies Plus, which is My
1: Movies Plus. Yeah, yeah,
0: My Movies Plus is a really awesome alternative to these, you know, propaganda streaming services. Instead of going to Netflix, you can go to something like My Movies Plus and uh, know that. Your content is not being curated by people who are related to, I don't know, the Dulles brothers and
2: right. Floyd
0: and, and Bernays and all these other weirdos who want to control humanity. So my movies plus is where you're gonna find it. And also George Floyd Documentary.com. Yes.
1: And also my gifts and go because I'm still right. raising money. And again, I raised a million dollars to make an award-winning film. And I would really appreciate it's been Almost a year that I'm just trying to raise 15,000. So I'm at 6,739. Um, every little bit counts. Um, it even just, even $5 helps me, even energetically, be like, you know, we're out there and we support real journalists. Um, so that's gifts and go forward slash Miriam Hineen. I don't know if you can share the. Absolutely. The link, Mark.
0: Yeah, that'll be in the description. And we are also on Rockfin. So, any audio That's listeners, awesome. if you haven't been on Rockfin yet, for the price of one monthly fee, you can get both of our shows. You can get Miriam's show on Rockfin and this show, of course. Uh, and yes, the episode description will have all your links for your Give, Send, Go and George Floyd And of course, Sean Hibbler is yes. your uh, partner in this venture and i'm really excited to watch it so the 15th and people can can get uh the countdown right there on the website In case right
1: you could sign up on george floyd mm. and uh to keep tabs um yeah and and uh and check out my movies plus we'll be offering it on january 15th which is Martin Luther King, but in my birthday. And then on January 18th, there will be the live stream appeal for Derek Chauvin. We didn't talk a lot about Derek in this episode, uh, but it will be live streamed. And so this will be in the news. And the truth is that George Floyd's name is uttered every single day in someone's news report. Um, One of the missions of the PR firm that was hired, that works for the government, that is the government, um, was to keep George Floyd in the news as long as possible. People can also go in and get a pre-order of my book. I, um, yeah, once I I conclude with you, Mark, I'll go back to writing. Writing and reporting is, um, wow, this book has it's this. This project has probably been the hardest I've worked in my life. Um, so people can can get a pre order of the book. I, I hope to God that it'll be out in um, spring of 2023. I'm also giving a um, speaking at anarchopoloco. I was just so butchered that <laughs> it's um, Anar Anarch- Puko. <laughs> Thank you. Narco <laughs> I will be speaking on um, on how to reverse a chronic condition. and um, there's a lot of amazing speakers. I'm very honored and happy uh, to be going to Mexico in February. so I, I hope to to turn in a draft of my book before I leave to Mexico
0: right on. Well, thank you so much, ma'am, for thank being you, here. Mark. And- Yeah, I really appreciate you joining me here. And I really look forward to watching this uh, George Floyd documentary. People can go and watch the sizzle reel as well to get a little uh, taste of what's to come. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah,
1: thank you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be explosive. Thank you for your time and, and giving me a voice.
0: Of course. And for all the folks who tuned in, thank you so much for being here and immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are, 2023. I hope you had a great New Year's and a happy holidays. And here we are with our first episode of 2023. Miriam Heinen uh, came and shared a lot of very interesting thoughts. She told us more about the making of the documentary than the the contents of the documentary, which is fine. She reserves the right to do that. Uh, I, like other interviews in the past, maybe need to brush up on my interview uh, skills, sharpen them so I can ask the biting questions and get into the meat and potatoes of the information. I don't know if we did that today, but that's okay. Her documentary is coming out very soon. So we will all have the opportunity to learn more. Uh, hence the uh, <laughs> intention of her coming on and promoting it. So shout out to Maryam Heinen. Uh, all the respect goes to her. I know I told her and uh, she rebuked this, but I said she has a lot of courage and maybe I should take that back. She, uh, you know, feels inclined, let's say, to uh, not take that compliment. And I understand why because journalism should be fearless. People should have the mindset of Miriam Heinen as a journalist, someone who's not afraid to question the status quo and go uh, (laughs) leagues beyond that, right? So we really, I think, need to support folks like her as much as possible. So you can go to her give, send, go. You just go to give, send, go.com slash Mary M Heinen. That's M-A-R-Y-A-M-H-E-N-E-I-N. Just like it's spelled in the title of this episode. You can also check out more information about the documentary and see a teaser at uh, George Floyd documentary You also see that at the give, send, go. So make sure you go over to the give, send, go and support Maryam Heinen. MiriamHeinen.com, and she is on Rockfin as well as this show. So please go over to the Rockfin if you're not already on Rockfin. You get the video version of every episode. I try to put every episode out early on Rockfin and Patreon. We also have a Substack now. I've put some of, uh, well, all of the episodes up to episode 245 on the Substack. Um, I don't know if I'm going to put all of the audio episodes on there. I haven't quite figured out the difference between uh, this Substack hosting and the host I have now, but either way, uh, we're going to be posting on Substack, some articles written by myself, as well as some video content once I figure out the limit for the video size on Substack, so... Once I have that figured out, you can expect some premium content there. Uh, of course, anybody who is signed up on Patreon is privy to all of the Substack stuff. If you're above the $8 tier on Patreon, I will automatically uh, subscribe you for free to the Substack. If you don't have access to that yet, check your email. If you don't have an email from me, well, email me at mfticpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Even if you're somebody who's listening and you want to maybe possibly be on the show, uh, send me an email Tell me why you want to be on the show. Hopefully you have something really interesting to talk about. Maybe you have a suggestion for a very interesting guest who you think should be on this show. All is welcome. Uh, Of course, we do encourage your support. This is a value for value show. Uh, We only have one sponsor. That's the Hit Kit and they are a small business. They're, they're an independent business. They make these really cool uh, hit kits. Their a smoking container, contains your lighter and a joint, or if you're like me, a blunt, really whatever you roll up, you don't want it to be crushed in your pocket, well, get yourself a hit kit. They got a bunch of really neat designs. You can even custom order design. And this year, we're gonna be doing a contest I haven't defined the rules of the contest yet. We're going to be doing some sort of giveaway type of thing. Uh, and if you win, you're going to get a custom hit kit. My family thinks I'm crazy hit kit. So have all of that in the works very soon. And of course, we can't do fun stuff like that without really awesome people supporting us on the Patreon. So shout out to everybody who's remained signed up through the new year. If you're listening to this and you think you're signed up on Patreon, just go ahead and double check. Some people dropped off uh, last month. I got to send them some emails, but Patreon numbers are up. We've got more subscribers than ever. And if you want to join in, join in now. Uh, We've got the Rockfin rocking and the Substack rolling. So support the show and keep new episodes coming out each week. We're going to be doing three two-hour episodes each week. What podcast do you know is doing that? I don't know many. Uh, this podcast is, so go and check out all of the bonus episodes on the Patreon Check out all the video versions of the show on Rockfin. And thank you so much, folks, for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Be sure to go support our sponsor, HitKit, HitKit hitkit.us. Go over to myfamilythinksomecrazy.com and support this show. Check out all the bonus content from the scene, editions one and two, to the merch. We got merch uh, on the Teespring store. It's all there one place on the website thinks I'm myfamilythinksomecrazy.com uh, and that's it for tonight folks take it easy immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now peace fuck up
2: <clears throat> man i think i think i'm fucking peeking right now wait i'm peeking through the curtain cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit i'm peeking through the curtain nothing is for certain but i feel it like a purpose wait i'm peeking through the curtain hardly feeling like a person but the vibes are perfect Uh. i'm peeking through the curtain nothing is for certain but i feel it like a purpose wait my third eyes open and my chakra's flowing all seven channels in my spirits floating knowledge feeling deeper than the ocean it's the eightfold path and the sacred lotus Uh. I'm peeking, flipping through Akashic Records. My ego's decomposing like a leopard. I'm Edgar Casey going some levitation. So with zero hesitation as I jump into the spaceship. I'm weary from faking like a earthling, while skyfish dip and dive above the earth, circling. I'm spiraling, sacred geometry, studying my old selves like it's anthropology. Honestly, feeling like life's a comedy as big a game as a paper run economy i've been playing safe the safest for the weaker heart wait i'm peeking tearing everything apart wait i'm peeking through the curtain cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit uh, i'm peeking through the curtain nothing is for certain but i feel it like a purpose wait i'm peeking through the curtain hardly feeling like a person but the vibes are perfect for certain but i feel it like a purpose wait i'm beta testing old theta frequencies i lay the rest the ego and the frequent themes that keep me seeing life inside a box small minds kick rocks pandora let's talk i might need a suture for this rift in space i might stay and see how lucifer's fruit tastes i'm hungry for knowledge and hungry for infinite and every time i'm peeking i can see it for an instant i'm peeking through the curtain at the seats and the wolves on the prowl zeitgeist spirit form walking through the aisles consumerism living in their vacant smiles uh. now i'm peeking through the curtain at the sky i ain't even gotta try gaining wisdom on the fly i'm touching base with things i can't explain gods without names on a different plane wait i'm peeking through the curtain cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit I'm peeking through the curtain, nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain, hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect. Uh. I'm peeking through the curtain, nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, I'm peeking through the curtain, cells out of service can't reach me on the circuit. Uh. I'm peeking through the curtain, nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose. Wait, hardly feeling like a person, but the vibes are perfect, uh, I'm peeking through the curtain, nothing is for certain, but I feel it like a purpose.